opportunities, new partners, EG Tax. Hey everybody, this is the tax lady, Esther Gullios from EG Tax, and that's EG T-A-X. Uh, we're a tax firm in Western New York. If you're listening to us outside of Western New York, don't forget that everything anymore with um, with electronics and uh, the internet, everything's virtual and we can take care of your situation um, electronically. So just because you're outside of Western New York doesn't mean you should pay, overpay for your tax help or um, that you might feel like that you... Um, uh, you have to do it yourself and you're making a gigantic mistake. So I'm joined here in studio with Chris Fabian. He's our uh, vice president in charge of tax operations. Hello, Christopher. Hello, Esther. All right. So we're talking today about some of the things that people do that absolutely they shoot themselves in the foot when it comes to their tax return. So, um, and, and, and so this, I think that you're going to find that if you just listen to these things, sometimes it'll hit your situation, and you might find that you've been overpaying your taxes because you didn't understand how important these right. things are. Right. These are, and these are things on the tax return. We're not talking about taking $50,000 out of an IRA to pay off your credit cards. That's a different show for a different time. Right. This is just on the tax return mistakes people where, make. Where people just don't know what to do, so they do nothing, and they overpay. So the right. first, th- or, or underpay, uh, the first thing would be the kitty tax. Now, that doesn't mean that the IRS is so sweet, they got this little fluffy pillow, and they call it the kitty tax, and you know that's not it at all. The kitty tax is a tax designed to make the non earned income, the passive income, the the investment income that your child, who's your dependent, your child um, uh, would pay because you might have gifted them a lot of money and they have to pay taxes at your rate, the parent's rate, if they're being claimed on your tax return. That's the kitty tax. Chris, you g- give an example of somebody that might have to pay kitty tax. Sure. So you have a 20-year-old college student in your house, and they collected $15,000 worth of unemployment last year. Bingo. Yep. So you want to claim your child. That child is now considered um, have to pay kitty tax, which means they're going to pay on that 15000 at your tax rate. So if you're in the 24% bracket, they're going to pay 24% on that 15000 even, even though if they did their tax return independent of you, and they they might take their standard deduction, they would think, oh, well, I'm going to get back most of my money, if not all my money. Wrong. What will happen is you'll get a bill in, in the summer or a year or two that would say, okay, your $15,000 dependent child had to pay at your tax rate, and so you, you now owe $4,000 plus penalties and interest. That's called kitty tax. The parent can make the decision to not claim the child. That would eliminate the kitty tax. And the only way you can tell if you... Uh, this works for you is to do it both ways. I had one Correct. yesterday. I did it three ways. I did it the the way with with the mother claiming the child, with the child cl- not claiming themselves, with the child claiming themselves, and I had to put a pencil to it and figure out which way was the best. Right, right, and you know it it could be a matter of a couple hundred bucks, it, but it could also be the matter of three, four, five thousand dollars swing. So you really got to do it and figure. 
figure and, it out. And the other thing is, you, you know, as people are putting money in a kid's name, you have to think about the, the fact that, especially with the stock market going crazy that uh, in a good way, that maybe you want to put money in an annuity instead of into the kid's name because you don't want to pay the kitty tax. Money in an annuity would not be considered taxable income until the money is actually withdrawn. That's one example. Or maybe you don't want to, maybe you want to use a 529 plan for their college their college tuition as opposed to putting something in an investment. So that's another way to kind of shelter the money so it doesn't get taxed at the parent's rate. Right, right. So uh, you got to look, you got to be careful. You know, in speaking of kids, it's not just the kitty tax that I know this is one of the things later on too, though, is the parents, if this, that, fifth, that 20-year-old is in college, and would they get the college credit if they claim themselves? No, because they still live at home. Their parents technically support them and everything. They wouldn't get the refundable credit. Right. So even if the child so made... So it does no good for the kid. Right. Even if the child made 15000 at a job, we're talking 3000 taxable income. We're talking maybe a $300 tax savings where the parents would save three th- up to $3,000 on the federal return right. itself. So, I mean, you got to look at every angle and see what and, is and that's best. really what it's come down to in the wonderful world of taxes is that there is no like perfect answer many times sometimes the only way for you to know it is your situation with your income and your filing status and you have to do it both ways right and if you don't you just overpay right and you know this isn't i i get tired of hearing a loophole for the rich you know, oh, this is no loophole. This is no loophole further. Believe this me. is the tax law, and we're just working tax law. Absolutely. And this is somebody who can make forty thousand. I mean, even somebody who makes thirty thousand as a parent, if they lose that college kid, they could lose earned income. Well, credit. actually, my client the other day when I said I was doing the kitty tax, this was a way she was head of the household yep. by claiming her daughter. So the daughter had eleven thousand dollars in unemployment plus. Uh, a W-2, but she was a college student, but it qualified the mother to get earned income credit, qualified the mother to be head of the household, qualified the mother to get AOTC, and if, and, but the unfortunate thing is the kid ended up paying taxes of 2500 and so the mother said, oh, I can't believe my daughter's got to pay $2,500 in taxes, but if I take if I, but the mom's getting like $5,000. But if I take the kid off, then the mother gets $1,000. So it's a $4,000 drop for the mother and it's a $2,000 tax for the kid. But they both come out as a family $2,000 ahead. Right, right. And, you know, <laughs> and that's the only way you can do it. It's yep. three ways. Yep. And most people don't like doing their taxes the first way, <laughs> much less doing it three ways. But anyway, I'm Esther Gillius, the tax lady. We have 30-some uh, area offices to serve you in western New York. We have offices in Florida and in Arizona. And, of course, the Internet makes the office in your house, in exactly. your home office. EG Tax is there. You can go to egtax.com, and you can go to Ask the Tax Lady, and we will answer your questions um, from the Internet. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, another thing that people do wrong wrong i think it's wrong because they don't understand what the form with the deduction credit is 199a 
Now, the 199A is the... QBI. Yeah, the qualified business income profit from a business. It's the 20% that gets passed on to you, which is deductible over and above your standard deduction. And so if you have investment income and they send you your 1099, which says what your dividends are, what your capital gains are, most of the time you're going to see 199A and you're going to see foreign taxes. The 199A you have to carry over to the simplified QBI deduction worksheet, which then gets carried forward to the 1040 form. And that QBI deduction is something that saves you money. Right, right. 20% of the net profit. So if you had a $10,000 profit, you now have an additional $2,000 subtraction from your AGI, not from the Schedule C, but on after your standard deduction, you get to take that extra $2,000 deduction. Right. So this is in your investments, on your investment portfolio. This could be on your self-employment, could be your qualified rental. And so basically the net profit times 20% ends up to be a write-off. So if your QBI on your uh, portfolio says $500, so let's say $1,000, and you're in the 20% bracket, you save $200. Right, right. And I see a lot of times people could miss it because it came once if they're involved in a partnership or an S corporation and the preparer didn't put it down that it qualifies for that, that they would miss that. So, I mean, we're talking, you could have a $50,000 profit, 20% of that is a $10,000 subtraction from income. So, And at 22% is $2,200. Right, right. So it's in not- your pocket. Yeah, yeah. So the 199A, you know, and, and I don't know why they can't use real lang- language, like why can't they say qualified business income deduction, but they call it a 199A if it's on your investments, if you have a net profit on a Schedule C, if you have a net profit on a partnership, as long as it's not what's called specified income and for the wrong uh, for the wrong type of business, such as if you're a doctor or a dentist or an accountant uh, where you have special rules, you get a 20% deduction. Right. Right? Yep. Uh, other thing that people miss as I and I'm alluded to it on your investment account is foreign taxes paid. You know, with the modern investment portfolio, they're investing all over the world. And when your investment pays taxes in a foreign country, you get a foreign tax credit. Right. Right. So some stocks are in Canada, some stocks are um in Italy, France. But you know, a common one here is Manulife the insurance company. That's a Canadian-based company, so there could be foreign taxes paid. And if it's $10 in foreign taxes, that's $10 and more in your refund or reduces your balance due by $10. So you use Form 1116, and whatever that those foreign taxes paid on your investment, that saves you dollar for dollar. So if you have a $100 foreign tax credit and you don't use the 1116, you overpaid your taxes by $100. <laughs> and right? they won't send it to you. And they won't. And if you spend the last three years, you've overpaid each of those three years. So watch out for the foreign taxes paid. Right. The other thing that people mess up on is who claims the kids. And I think we kind of were alluding to that when we were talking about a kitty tax, but it's it's 
just not cut and dry. You have to take a look at what the kid's income is, what your filing status is. Let's say you're a single parent and you have a 21-year-old kid in college. And and your um and and, the, and you would qualify for head of the household status if the child is your dependent, but if you the child doesn't qualify as your dependent because you want to let them claim the education credit and you want them to file on their own, you then move from being head of the household to single. How does that affect people, Chris? Well, first of all, it takes the standard deduction from about 19000 and I'm using round figures, down to about 13000 So you lose $6,000 of a subtraction of income. 6000 times 12%, you're just lost $720. And that's the first one. Right. I mean, $720 is out of your pocket because of a little box you check or because you you were trying to be so sweet to your kid. I mean, it's kind of what's best for the family. Right, right. I mean, then not to mention, like we said earlier, they could lose the earned income credit. Their other credits could get further reduced because the income levels change from head of household to single as well. Um so you, the retirement savings credit is one of them that changes the income level. The If you have another child, or maybe you're in college yourself, you could lose the education credit because that just got reduced by how much money could be in the household. So you really, it, it could change a lot of things on the tax return. So it's so important that you sit down and parents should really have this conversation with their kids. Um Actually, I think that the parents should do the tax return with the child because you can't, you just can't have Junior sitting out in his bedroom with his computer doing his thing when it could have kitty tax. He could be claiming the American Opportunity Tax Credit uh, improperly and it should go to the parent that could be changing the parent's filing status, could lose them the earned income credit, could lose them a lot of credits. The important thing is, that the family does it as a unit. Yep. I, That's I, what I think. I had somebody today, they had their kid come from lunch from their job so they could sit there while their taxes are done so they could see what everything oh, well, that's and good. how it worked out. It also makes them are adults, right? Right. And I said, well, where's my lunch? <laughs> that's true. So who claims the kids is such a big thing because filing status drives what tax bracket you're in, drives the standard deduction, drives the rates, so important. And also with claiming kids, custodial versus non-custodial, especially with the advanced child yep. tax credit um, or a boyfriend-girlfriend living together. Um, it may You may want to switch who claims the kids because – Again, how not not loopholes for tax law, just tax law, how it's written. If the mom claimed the child in 2020, she got the advanced child tax credit. So we'll say she got $1,500. Well, if the dad claims the child this year, he would get the full credit, which is 3000 But mom, if she made under 40000 doesn't have to pay it back. Doesn't have to pay it back. Right. So it's just, and it could be as simple just signing an 8332 over to him so she could still qualify for a household, household and the earned income credit, but just give the, the, the credit, you know, the dependency. The av av availability, availability to claim the dependent. Yeah. On the dad's return. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, I had some worked it out. It's $1,800 difference because they had one child who was under six. And, you know, these are big, these are big figures. Yeah. You know, some of these figures are absolutely astronomical. You, you, people don't realize, people don't realize how much refundable money there is. I think people are so used to itemizing uh, and, and that's multiplied by your tax bracket, and that was okay. So let's say that you got an extra $5,000 in itemized deductions and you're in a 10% bracket. It saved you $500, but these credits can be $3,600, $3,000, They're big money. Big numbers, big, big money. money. Yep. Okay. Uh, another thing that people are missing is the recovery rebate. And I think Chris alluded to that. That's where the stimulus money, the $1,400 that everybody was entitled to, you didn't get it. Maybe you didn't get it because last year's income was too high. And so you and your dependents didn't get it. Or, and now this year, your income's lower and you would qualify and you use the recovery rebate to do that. Right, right. You know, and if you just had a new baby born in 2021, that baby qualifies for that $1,400. Don't just blow by that thinking, right. oh, I got it all. Right. If you had a new baby, you now qualify for that child to get that 1400 Right. So that's the recovery rebate. And the other thing is, don't just put it down. You say to yourself, I don't think I got the 1400 and so you think, I think I'll put it down. Well, that's great. You put it down, and and if you did get it, then they're going to manually process your return, and you may not get your refund till August or yep. September. So you want to make sure that what you put down, you know you're correct. I know 99.95% of my clients who said they didn't get it. I said, can just pull up your bank account on your on your phone and look in March and see if you got it. And sure enough, they did. There. Yep. Right. Uh, okay, energy credits. I think a lot of people don't realize that the maximum energy, you know, people will think, I got a capital, I got a capital certificate, improvement certificate, and so therefore it must be a tax deduction. Wrong. The capital improvement certificate simply means you do not have to pay sales tax on the job that's being done to your house because it's an increase, it's a permanent fixture to your house and it's increasing the value. That's what a capital improvement is. The energy credit is a horse of different color. Right. The the energy credit, um, if you did a new window, new door, new furnace, something to conserve energy in your house, then you can qualify for a credit, um, a non-refundable credit. Uh, so if you did new windows, you get to use the first 2000 at a 10%. So that could give you up to a $200 credit. So, right. But the maximum credit lifetime for your house... $500. So small. So right. small. Well, it seems small because we're so used to doing big credits. Right. right I remember right. when I used but, to think that it was pretty good. Right, right. And and the thing is, these energy credits have been going back now, what, 12 years? Yep. Something like yep. that. So, Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. All right. And here's another thing. Last year, well, in 2020, the federal government says if you, because of the COVID pandemic, we're going to allow you to take money out of your pension, your 401k, your IRAs without penalty, and we're going to give you the option to spread it out over three years. Well, great. Guess what year this is? This is year two. When you're doing your tax return and you were somebody that took that election, in 2020, to spread your IRA distribution or your 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 pension distribution that you took out because of COVID, 
you only took a third of it. This year's year number two. If you don't put it on, who's going to get a letter? Uh, they are. And the thing is, too, they might have had withholding in year one. You can't allocate that withholding to year two and year three. Nope. It you, was, you already got it last year. Yep. So that's something that you need to do. Think about it before you do your return. And what's so wonderful with our software, it, it flags it. Yep. Yep. Oh, and then, oh, and how could I miss that? The daycare. That's another thing. Daycare. People are so used to the 20% daycare credit um, and, and putting money into their, um, their, their, yeah, their pension, not, it's not a pension in their flexible spending spending account of 5,000 and they think they're doing good in the past. That was good, but not under today's law. Right, right. So if your child care was $6,000, you put 5,000 into pre-tax, you only get to use a thousand for the child care. So that gives, that gives you a credit, 1,000 times 50%, $500. Well, if you use the whole 6000 and you didn't use your FSA, you now have a $3,000 credit. Mm, what's better? 500 3, right. And if I you're like in the 10% better, bracket, right? that $5,000, $500 in taxes. Right. So you really got to rework your numbers to see what's more beneficial yeah, I mean, for you. The bottom line this year, the flexible spending account for you to put money in for daycare really is passe. The new daycare credit is 50% of the first $8,000 that you spend on daycare for one child. 50% of the first 16000 you you pay for daycare for two or more. That's 4000 or $8,000 refundable credits. So if you're somebody that doesn't want to talk to Susie, your daycare provider, and ask her for your social security number, you really have shot yourself in the foot. Right, right. Okay, and the other thing I want to talk about uh, is the if you're somebody that has um, health insurance for the marketplace, you have to make sure you do the reconciliation between what you received in sub in subsidies versus what you actually you, uh, against your income. You may end up with a refund called a premium tax credit, or you might have to pay back some of the subsidy. Right, but. If you collected unemployment during the year and you are on the marketplace, you even though you may be at the 400% where you have to pay back all your subsidy, the government says, no, we're going to let you slide and you're going to get a refund of some of your credit. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you really so, got to pay attention again, to the how, form. How does the average person know that? Right. Right? Yep. How does that, anybody know that? And the other thing is I want to make sure that everybody understands that, especially if you're here in New York State and you're paying property taxes, if your property taxes exceed 6 to 6% of your adjusted gross income, take a look at the new New York NY229, which is a refundable credit of 250 to 350 But again, you have to apply for it in order to get it. Exactly. Exactly. And well, are we waning down? We are waning down. All right. I'm Esther Golias, the tax lady from EG Tax. If you need the best tax help, we hope this year you'll give EG Tax uh, uh, the opportunity to serve you. Our website is egtax.com. Ask the tax lady. 30 area offices to serve you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. New friends, new opportunities, new partners. E-G-Tag